Hello everyone, and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 243. My name is NBZ, and wow, can you believe it? I'm sick again. <laughs> Back at it, baby, like a bad habit. Uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's a tradition uh, that I must be uh, sick on this show at least four times a year. Um, you know, it's, it's a good... You see, good... I would want to say that, you know, spring's around the corner, then summer, but uh-huh. then... The hay fever just kills you, man. So I don't know yeah. what I don't know what the solution is. It's terrible. But the other thing is, like, I'm gonna go to America and be with lots of people in a big space, and like, COVID's pretty bad over there. So like, I d- I don't know if I'm getting out of this scot free. You know, like, I'm yeah. I'm trying mask up and try and be safe there. But is it much worse than here? I think it is worse than oh, here. Okay. Yeah, I think it's still quite bad over there. And um, to your knowledge, you've still not had COVID. I, to my knowledge, no, I have not. And what I currently have, I don't think is that either. So I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to check and find out. But at least the nice thing is, is at least I got sick now, like a week before I go, as opposed to like right on the verge of going, because that would have been okay. more of yeah, a nightmare. That is that well planned. Well yeah. Planned. But the other thing is, like, if I do catch something from GDC, that I've booked to go to Disney on a specific day, mm. and like, I can't have that mess me up, you know? So I'm going to I'm gonna try and be as safe as I can and yeah. make sure that I can, I can have a, a happy, magical, day uh disney without any interruptions um but uh but yeah um, that's 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 what's going on with me what's more interesting is that bally's been a father for a year yeah. it's crazy how's yeah, it going one whole there? year yeah we celebrated bally jr's birthday yesterday had a little get together and yeah it was very it was great i mean he was a little bit grumpy on the day so i guess it was more of a celebration for me and caroline to have been parents for a year which yeah does feel strange we were kind of talking about what was like the whole process a year ago and all of this and it was quite like wow it's, we've we've achieved a lot so yeah does it feel like it's been a year how has it has it gone fast or slow um it's gone both so like the things that are good seem to go really fast and the things that are bad seem to like be more repetitive and go much slower right um, yeah. which is but yeah like, as he's gotten older i think it is definitely getting easier and more fun for example yeah. like um so we've got like Amazon Alexa in our living room. We, we listen to like a lot of Disney soundtracks with him, just to have like some background music to just like sing along to and this sort of thing. And then alongside that, we've been watching a lot more like Disney films. So because me and Caroline were, we're kind of 90s kids, uh, we, we do like to listen to, uh, watch the films from the 90s. And my God, some of those films are really dark. So we actually watched 1999 Disney's Tarzan that film is so much darker than we realized like you forget so spoilers for 1999 disney's tarzan of course yeah like tarzan's human parents uh get killed by a jaguar like a panther jaguar and you see like the legs of of tarzan's parents and there's like a bloody trail leading up to them in the tree really yes damn dude honestly and then the main villain of the whole thing, this guy Clayton, um, he gets vines wrapped around his neck and Tarzan is like, no, Clayton, you're good. And then Clayton falls and he basically hangs himself. What the and hell? You don't see him hanging, but they do show you a silhouette of him hanging, like oh the shadow. Oh my God. I'm wow. like, this is what a you was in 1999. This that's is insane. insane. That's crazy. Man. Um, so yeah, that's that's been quite a shock to the system. But these are all kind of the, the parenting kind of things you discover. It's just like as much as the internet has become a much more dangerous place in many aspects, I think culturally, what we expose to kids has definitely changed a ton. I'm um, sure. Yeah. 
So yeah, it's all these kind of fun challenges. At the moment, we're watching um, Hercules, which is a hell of a film. A hell of a film. Even that's got like a lot of stuff around death yeah. and you know things that you don't... i think but when you're a kid you don't really understand any of that stuff right so yeah. it almost just goes over your head so totally. i can i can imagine why it just it's like oh, okay cool whatever yeah don't really understand what's going on there but that's fine definitely um, but yeah, yeah we're enjoying some of those films so that's the, that's the advantage of disney plus it's, yeah absolutely absolutely fun. oh that's, it sounds very good um but uh we're here to talk about some video games and the stuff that's been going on in the land of nintendo and beyond bali what are we going to be talking about on today's show for the first segment, we're talking about the games that we have been playing. For the second segment, it's also the the Switch's anniversary. It's the six-year it anniversary uh, for the Nintendo Switch coming out way back at the start of March 2017. So we thought it'd be fun to rank Switch years. Yes. So we're going to be doing a ranking of all six and maybe throw in the current year and see where that might land. Uh, uh-huh. all, ranking all six years of the Nintendo Switch and see what will come out on top. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think there's been some ups and downs, and I'm sure that we will relate those as we go through those. Um, but yeah, I thought it'd be a fun idea to kind of look back and, you know, we, we're feeling like we're getting close to the end of the system's life cycle. I don't know, maybe Nintendo has a couple more years in them, who knows, but um feels like we're uh, kind of uh, looking back on uh, the system's life and how it has done uh, over, over that period of time, uh, which I think has been pretty good. But let's kick things off with some video games we've been playing, and the main thing uh, that just dropped recently and we played a bit together is Mario Kart 8's brand new uh, DLC, Wave 4, is coming back. Um, these just come at a real pace, don't they? They're kind of, you almost yeah forget about it and it's like oh here's another one back again for some more mario kart 8 uh, dlc stuff uh, bally how uh, how's this pack struck you so far uh it's i mean it's maybe the strongest and maybe i'm being over uh, hyping it up too much but i think one track in particular in yoshi's island is on a tier alongside like the f-zero dlc tracks way back when you know like i think that track yoshi's island is so good there's so many like little discrete nods to like aspects of yoshi's island that are done so well that i think i said at the time i feel like nintendo heard a bit of the online clamor of people saying like these textures look crap these this dlc looks awful nintendo were like well have we got something hold my beer for you yeah (laughs) hold 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 my beer um here's one of the best tracks we've ever put together uh that is just incredibly referential of a specific game and i think the tracks that do that are are some of my favorites and this one really hits out the park yeah and i think it's it's more important now after you know years of us playing older nintendo games and getting more familiar with them right as opposed to back in the day when there would be references to some yeah stuff. i think also mario kart has not been great about referencing specific things in the mario universe uh over the years because it's generally like you know like uh the stadium is waluigi stadium that's in this as well is that yeah that's on gamecube yeah Yeah, there's a gamecube one right and like what is that reference it's nothing it's just like it's a big stadium and waluigi's name is on it right there's no there's no like external thing to reference there i think they have they've started to do that a bit more more recently i think this yoshi's island course is a great summation of that because it's not just the the look of it but like they take um sound design from yoshi's island when you collect the coins first of all all the coins are the same coins you collect in yoshi's island but also mm-hmm. the sound effect when you collect them is the same sound effect um there's the the little cloud bubble that floats in the middle of the level and if you hit it you unlock a secret staircase that looks exactly like the secret staircases yep. you find in so yoshi's cool. island like there's mechanical details from that game that have been lifted wholesale and put as part of this track so i think not only is it like the music and the aesthetic but like you know if you do all that stuff and you 
ride down the staircase you then go through the big flower circle at the end right totally. and then yeah. when you finish the race the race ends with the end of level music for your yes. island so like so it is good. it is so there's so much care and attention and love that has gone into that course from like all the characters running around the little weird um chicken guys you know uh, the big mm-hmm. one with his two babies following the it shy guys can... on the stilts so yeah the stilt shy guys with their big big shoes really iconic enemies that are so unique to yoshi's island which in itself is a very unique nintendo game where it had a whole set of unique enemies and a real specific look to it you know like and that's yeah. what this course just emulates yeah totally and i think that it's definitely the standout i think it's the best track of all these dlc they've done so far than the new wave yeah. of dlc um and definitely you know having only played it a few times a handful of times i think it is one of the best tracks in the game which is i don't think we really expected from this dlc right because i think part of this dlc was like oh they're just going to do all the mobile courses and then maybe they'll just pretty up some of the older ones and i think the first wave was very much that but since then it feels like things have expanded not only you know with courses but now they've added birdo as a character to the game of course characters in mario kart i don't think are as as big a deal especially because like it's it's more like weight classes right and then you yeah. kind of build your character around the cart it's more like the cart is the the thing that you care about as opposed to the character but you know people like to play as their favorite characters regardless if it has an effect or not so it's cool that birdo's in the game and birdo has a bunch of different colors you can change into but then also on the menu there are now a bunch of question marks underneath birdo implying that the rest of these waves are going to have multiple because there's only two more left right this is wave four of six right. so it implies five more character slots right so we're going to get two more characters and then three more characters i think which is pretty cool and um and not what we expected i think like nintendo are almost over delivering on what they promised um and i think if you buy this standalone it's like 25 quid right which is pretty great deal for what you're getting in terms of all the courses and all that stuff of course being nintendo switch online people we can get it without having to pay that which is which is a nice bonus nice added addition and um yeah i think it's it's cool that they've gone a little bit further you know they're not going over the top here right there's only one brand new course with this yoshi's island one and everything else is like you know they actually have three mobile courses here because one of the gps has singapore and bangkok in it so there's like three tour courses and then there's like four older courses and one brand new one so the balance is still weighted in that favor but you know the volcano course from game boy advance um i think it's called like riverside park riverside park yeah which i yeah. you know i never really played the gba game so that's completely new to me as well yeah um, and I, I tweeted like something that mario kart 8 deserves a lot more credit than it gets is for the game boy advance and super nintendo courses that they really sort of 3dify as it were like they really glow them up and really do something like these courses look so flat and boring in the their original games to be honest um so riverside park that they've done for this dlc looks fantastic and it, do you it, remember playing that original on gba does it recall to you yeah i remember yeah it, it, like i remember the the like thumbnail so it had like an image of dk like getting hit by um like lava or something like on the little thumbnail because each, oh, each right. track yes. had its own little thumbnail so yeah but um yeah mario super mario kart super circuit uh was not a good mario kart um and yeah in my opinion was far in- inferior to crazy racers but um it's cool that these tracks are back and that they are getting a really substantial glow up and feels a lot stronger and more more put together than maybe some of the earlier tracks that had some of those kind of stark textures and things like that 
Yeah, um, I, I think there are some standout ones here from my kind of own personal nostalgia. Like, I think Waluigi Stadium, mainly the thing with that one is the music. Yeah. And this happened recently to me as well with uh, Fire Emblem Engage. I was like trying to think, oh, where was another game that's like done nostalgic music recently? What Fire Emblem Engage does is that you, you have maps from previous games in the series. And so when you go onto those maps, they have redone music from those games. So like doing the Path of Radiance one, I was like, oh shit, yeah, the soundtrack for this game is great. You know, just reliving those GBA soundtracks as well is just really cool. And, and I was like, oh yeah, this I've had this happen recently, but it's hitting me again with Waluigi Stadium. Just, I feel like I did play a lot of Double Dash, but I don't think I internalized how much I did play back then. Mm. And I think Waluigi Stadium, I, I really like the course. Like, I, I love the you know, the fake piranha plants, the kind of cardboard cut-out piranha plants and stuff yes. like that, um, which are really cool. But, like, the, the, the turns and everything and just the dirt, it's like a motocross mm-hmm. kind of course almost, you know? Um, there's there's a real kind of ruggedness to it. But um, I really liked that one back in the day, and uh, it's it's very cool to see it here and, and get in a bit more of a glow-up. Because um, I don't know if it's been shown off in another game before. Like, we're getting to the point where I just... I, everything has been remade and remastered for different... Uh, mario kart games so many times yeah it's a bit it's a bit of a mess now for yeah sure. you just, um, it's hard to remember so yeah um I, I was going to say that the maybe one reason the waluigi stadium music is so memorable is that double dash had very few music tracks that it shared between multiple courses oh, so like right, okay. all the stadiums so i think wario coliseum for example i think has the same music as waluigi stadium in double dash so right i think a lot of credit needs to go to america again for having so many unique music tracks which i just don't think was quite the same back in the double dash era yeah i guess i didn't like pay as much attention to that stuff or at least like there was just less resources given to, right, to yeah. a, a mario kart game um it couldn't, they couldn't point. fit it on those tiny discs yeah, yeah, they're too small little discs. Uh, they they had no space for them. Um, but yeah, I um I I think that these waves have been really good. It's just I feel like I forget a lot about them in between because it tends to be the case that I play a bit of it and then I wait until the next wave and then I play a bit of it and then I wait. So I kind of want to go back, you know, and I want to spend a bit more time. I, obviously, I'm I'm getting on long flights this year so mario kart is actually quite a good game for flights hmm. um, especially to do those gps because the thing with this game right is like i barely have done any of the gps because of the fact that we played this game on wii u so much yeah. that you know i already did all that stuff on wii u so when i got mario kart 8 on switch finally after we were you know bullied into doing it by nintendo basically <laughs> with these dlcs um I, uh, I I haven't really dug into just going back and redoing all those GPs, right? So I think that's something that I should probably uh, spend some time doing on a plane and, uh, you know, getting back into the swing of things yeah. with it. Because it is it's good fun, and I, I do like, you know, jumping online with it. And, you know, now that I have a, a cart combo that I like uh, in Mario Kart 8, I'm, I'm feeling better about it. Um, so yeah i think uh the the we we track is nice dk summit which is interesting because it is one of those where you can take the elements from the original course and still have them there right because the we had the trick system you know had the ability to kind of like jump up and yes. um, go like the half pipe essentially stuff which marika has kind of built on right there are these there are these kind of mechanical ideas that start in one marika game and eventually they kind of like move into the other ones and you know seven was the one that introduced like flying and gliding and stuff and that kind of just transitioned straight into eight and eight also introduced like the upside down stuff but now eight kind of has every mechanic available which is like 
you know, it's, it's a cool culmination and it means that you can take every course from throughout the series history and do what that course was doing yeah, on like yeah, a base level, um, which is nice. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, anytime that you go into a giant bongo barrel, which tended to be the case in the GameCube and Wii era, like they did that a lot where you just go into a barrel and they just shoot you somewhere um, is, is always a good time. I like I like that because yeah. you kind of get get like a preview of the course as you're going through the air, right? Mm, like it mm. kind of shows you the the, uh, the layout, which is nice. Um, yeah, and, and I think the weakest one for me here is DS Mario Circuit, which is just like, oh, it's the basic green grass one. And I don't really have much memory of it at all. I'm like, oh, okay, I guess, you know, this was one of those yeah but they just there's so many there. mario circuits between so many games that they do blend together a little bit um yeah the, the, the tour courses i still have trouble with from the sense of them changing constantly yeah, like yeah when you're going like into them, them blind even if you're doing a brand new course blind by the third lap you've got a good idea of the way it corners but these tour courses because they keep changing every every lap it's like Ooh, yeah, you really have to race them a lot of times before you get confident because it's essentially a completely new course each lap. Yeah, and I think that's something interesting about all these tour courses is because they're based on real life locations, there is a there's less of a distinct design to like where you need to go, right? Because you're going yes. through like buildings. So the the game really relies on I've noticed this for every tour course, it really relies on those big arrows pointing mm-hmm. in a direction to say this is the way you go, because it's not actually that clear if you are supposed to turn here or if you're supposed to turn early or whatever arrows don't tell you when they they tell you the direction of your next turn i don't think it's very clear where the turn starts and when it ends as as it were it's hard to describe but i I know what you mean though like there's no distinct wall apex you don't know the apex of the the bend just by looking at arrows right totally so you're, you're kind of going blind into them which i think because they change it just they feel like they require and this is kind of why i want to go back and play all these courses because like they feel they require a lot more investment from you to just learn them and learn their quirks and like it gets weird as well because because they're always changing it's like well are there shortcuts here are there not and you know when when we were playing i was like oh valley i found a shortcut go up these stairs and then it turned out it probably wasn't a shortcut because you then like went the other way and got ahead of me and i was like well that didn't work out very well did it so like they're they're more like alternate routes that i don't know like some of them feel like they're better than others maybe and there's yeah, it's, they are a little weird. Um, they're they're all really pretty though. I, I think that they mm-hmm. they do a good job of glamorizing those locations. You know, mm. um, obviously, I um I lived in Amsterdam when I was from the age of one to the age of three, so I have barely any memories of it. But we we've gone back to Amsterdam a bunch, and um, they really kind of honed in on kind of the core elements of that city. You know, and each city they kind of do that, which I think is really cool. Um, so with that one in specifically you have the canals we do need we do need an edinburgh that's what they're missing you know it's, they do they need to do a scottish course for yeah, sure that would I be mean, great again, i know we got one in forza horizon that's great but yeah we need, we need our mario kart track that'd be so cool it'd be so cool i i hope that they do that at some point i don't even, there might be a scotland one in the in tour we probably have to look that up there are so many courses in no, there No, because the problem is technically the capital of the state that scotland is in is actually london so they probably don't right so they probably don't associate edinburgh as a capital as it were yeah well scotland is its own entity yeah, right scotland, like yeah. yeah that's why you need independence man i guess oh, <laughs> so it's a marathon you get the <laughs> yeah exactly that's that's the that's everyone's uh whoever's running for for that should run as that on their platform but equally there's yeah. a lot of smaller countries in uh europe that definitely don't have um tracks like you know denmark or something you know the netherlands is quite a small country to get a it is track, it is so. yeah so good on um, them 
it's great yeah but I, I think it has iconic stuff right like the canals yes. are very iconic and so they have those as a big part of the course and that sort of stuff i think is is great and uh singapore and bangkok we we're just saying like hey maybe we should just go on holiday there because those places look cool <laughs> from mario kart's perspective yeah I mean, singapore in particular just looked really like wow yeah. this place is amazing it's pretty lavish isn't it yeah, yeah there's a lot of, lot of big buildings and stuff like that so um if nothing else mario kart has just become a uh, holiday advertisement i guess for other countries so yeah all these tourism companies paying mario kart a lot of money yeah totally um but yeah i think overall it's, it's a solid kind of lineup and um yeah definitely have enjoyed those and you know uh i'll uh, i'll be dipping back into them hopefully uh when i'm on some planes this year so yeah. looking forward to to doing that um bali you have continued on with your journey through uh this year's big rpg uh yes. that will probably take up a lot of your time <laughs> it's uh, gonna take a lot of time yeah octomoth um, traveler 2 uh, do you want to give us a check-in of where you are at with the yeah game? i'm probably about 16 hours in and that does include my time with the, the demo um so i'm working my way through chapter twos at the moment so i did all the chapter ones um and i should say that th- like this game there's a few characters where they have alternate routes uh and to my knowledge you can actually play all the routes so a character like throne for example has like the mother route and the father route and um these are these are both they're both essentially their own chapters but you can do them out of order and so it's not doesn't technically have to be sequential although if you're smart about it you will always play the lower level chapter first because otherwise you'll get your ass handed to you because um i definitely rolled into i think it was uh temenos's second chapter yeah and so people have said like oh yeah some people have said i should say that, that oh there's very little grinding in this game and I think in some cases that is probably the case, but I think in other cases it's not the case. And what I mean by that is, for example, Temnos' second chapter, like many chapters, it ends with a boss. But between the start of the chapter and the boss, you are not fighting any standard enemies. There are no goons. You are literally going through like this town and you're doing like the basically like mystery. a visual novel. You're just it's doing a story, visual novel, right? and that's actually actually one of my favorite things so far about the game. It's just yeah. the visual novel aspect. But I, and I can get to that, but. I will often, especially with low-level characters, I'll just, and I did this with the first game, I just roll, because you have to have the necessary character in your party to do the story, etc. Even if they were low-level, I just roll them into my party with maybe three slightly stronger characters, and they would carry that character easily. Uh, and because they're carrying that character while defeating weaker enemies, uh, especially at the start of the game, they're leveling up quickly anyway. Like they can, You can catch levels within... This is something the game does deserve credit for. Is I think lower level characters can catch the level of higher level characters very quickly. So it does minimize grinding in that sense. I don't think that it takes a long time for your character to get beefy enough to enter into battle. But for example, with Temnos's chapter, chapter two, uh, it's possible to go in with a very low level character uh, and then you're not fighting any low level enemies and you go straight into the boss and the boss kicks your ass. And so I think that it's more, probably more sensible to start the chapter with your ideal level rather than assume like I used to that you can fight enough lower level enemies throughout the chapter and then by the time you get to the boss you're gonna you're gonna be high enough level so I think so that, for that chapter did it have like the level the recommend was the recommended level the level that the boss should be fought at basically but you yes. went in slightly lower thinking like oh I can level people up exactly I thought I'm like I'm a couple of levels lower but I'm sure this will be fine and to be honest, I died to the boss once, 
did it again and beat it. So I did actually beat the boss lower level. It's not oh, wow. impossible. It's just a little bit hard, harder to do. Right. Um, but I also am someone who's beaten all eight stories of the first game. So I have got quite a lot of experience with like the battle system and this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so I would recommend that maybe try to go in on the level or higher than the level. Um, and I don't think this will be an issue going forward because I seem to be higher than... Most of my party seems to be higher than the level required. Um, and I think that generally speaking, as long as you're trapped... The cool thing about fighting higher level enemies at night is if you're traveling at night, which I tend to try to do because I'd quite like to just defeat all the tougher enemies and, and level up a bit more... Uh, the game is good at that and i can imagine in that in those circumstances there's very little grinding especially compared to the first game so like there is a yes they've not mechanically actually changed that much since the first game but they've made ways in which grinding would be done much easier so i think they do deserve some credit for that yeah it's funny that isn't it like like they've they've done that and like they could have gone one step further and been like oh no you know you just your whole party just levels even if they're not in the party right but they're like nah we'll we'll make it easier but we won't make it that easy basically so they still kind of have that that layer yeah and like i was saying they don't your whole party doesn't level however when you do put someone from outside your party back in they like i said i do think they catch up quite quickly especially if you're defeating slightly tougher enemies Um, that's good and that didn't feel like it was as much the case in the first game anyway from my recollection no i think they might have done some tinkering for sure because it does feel more streamlined and maybe that's just because i'm still very early game um true yeah and it's easier to get lots of levels um but I really, really fundamentally think that the stories are a big step up from the first game. Um, I'm into the second chapter on four characters and three characters, four characters. And I, in particular, I'm really intrigued by Throne's, um Mother Root uh, chapter that I did. It was really dark. It was like surprising. And it, they're so good at like doing... A little bit of a reveal in the chapter, but then dangling the carrot for the next chapter. And you think, oh, maybe this is one downside of the game is you know that there might be 20 hours of gameplay before you face that (laughs) that next chapter because there's so many damn characters and so many damn stories uh, that, you know, where one chapter leaves off and the next one starts, there could be a lot of time between. Um, Yeah, you almost feel like you lose momentum, which was a a bit bit. of my problem with with the first game. That's fair, that is fair. Yeah, and partially why I ended up just doing four characters, because I was like, well, it's easier to kind of keep in my head what's going on here and kind of link everything a bit more seamlessly. Um, But yeah, you know, it's going to happen with the kind of structure they have. Um, and it's, But it sounds like, you know, because what I've heard other people say about this game is it has, like, split... Like, you mentioned alternate routes, right? Yeah. But, like, it feels like some of the chapters are broken up into more different, smaller pieces as opposed to just yes. being one thing. Yeah, I was shocked at how short Chapter 2 for Throne on the Mother's Route was, where there was no boss. It was just, it was just a visual novel. It really was. Right. It was literally just go to places, talking to people and let story play out. And I really like that about the game. Like I think, I do think one thing the game is guilty of with that gap between stories is I'd like more of a, a refresh of the plot from previous chapters when you jump into a new Yeah, like chapter. a previously on type of Yeah, deal. I yeah. really don't think that'd be too difficult. And I think the game is not good. It's very stark. It's like, it just it just jumps straight into continuing the chapter. It's literally like eight games broken up into um and put together into one big game. It really yeah. does feel like that. Um, but yeah, I I think that some of these stories and and the way that they're told, um, 
really strong. I re- I would say there is one weak story, and even their second chapter. I think it was Agnes actually. I think even her second chapter that I've done now finished in a way that i was very satisfied with and cool even with the weaker stories the locations feel so much richer than the first game that you know like for example agnia is her 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 story starts in the northwest corner of the map which is real forest river lord of the Rings style looking cottages just really like traditional country kind of old old hometown kind of british feel to it mm. uh and she then kind of goes to the big city so the big same big city i've forgotten the name of the city but it's also the same city you start with throne in and it's fun just like the game does a good job of like talking about agnia's she doesn't even know to they, they go into like a theater in the big city and they ask for a ticket and she's like a ticket what's a ticket she doesn't even know what a ticket is because like she's from country so, like, isolated, exactly she's like yeah. why would you even need, need the tickets i just think the game is quite good at contextualizing different cities and towns and their different cultures and backgrounds and then when those characters are taken out of one city and then put in another area and then how those cultures um kind of clash and have different ideals about stuff like ticketing for example so it's just small stuff like that i think the game does really well even when some of the stories are a little bit slower um and i've got to shout out nintendo capri's son and his his massive belief in uh places where a character can sleep and i do think octopath traveler 2 is taking the biscuit for the number of places that i'm just like that's i would just like to sleep here like this is such a cozy places there are so many cozy little bars that so much of the plot takes place in in almost every town and every city in this game um and some really just intricate like castles and kind of like forts and things like that where even the in, in these grand buildings they have small cozy rooms and there might just be like a single little chest in this room but the amount of detail and just like there's a nice little bed here you could just have a little nap here like this like there's just so so much detail put into so many small rooms that i really don't think the first game had quite that level of detail so i think there's been a real visual effort made to make yeah. all these places feel so much more memorable and i do think the towns and cities are so much more memorable where they definitely weren't in the first game and i think the first game was guilty of there were multiple forest towns and multiple snow towns and mul- yeah. like they re- even repeated um you know uh what's the what's the what's the word i'm looking for like um biomes as it were but i don't feel like and maybe it will be that will still be the case with this game but i've not had repeated biomes yet and it it really makes areas feel distinct and by making the areas feel distinct it makes the characters from those areas feel more distinct and more interesting that's great yeah i mean you're definitely selling me a lot more on this game and i you know i really did enjoy the demo a lot and it it had a lot of promise to it but it it sounds like it is delivering on that promise which is is good to hear and 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 in terms of like some of these extra things they've added like path actions which i never found that interesting in the first game i never really used them have you found yourself engaging more with that stuff with like random npcs and using those actions and day at night uh, all that sort of stuff yeah not really i the game really hit hard like with the promotion last time um these things and they have 
now that there's day and night, it's basically doubled to the number of path actions because right. now everyone's got one for day, one for night. Yeah, and it sounds like they're duplicated across people, but like some people have one that's just straight up better than others and, and stuff like that. Yeah. They can do the same thing, but it's easier or better with one person. I would I would say for some characters, it's very intrinsic to the way that character even plays in battle. So for example, uh, I think it's the dancer. Uh, what's her name again? Oh, it's Agnia. It's Agnia, yeah. isn't it? Ag- yeah. Agnia is the dancer. So she can... You can you can summon characters that you have befriended, as it were, into battle, and then okay. they have a set number of uses. Doesn't Temelos um, do that as well? He does that in his first chapter, anyway. Yes, he does. He does. So, so exactly. So that's a good example of how they're repeated. Um, I've really not done it with Temenos. I've done it a bit more with Agnia because. Okay. So Temenos, I'm so busy like healing my party and doing other stuff. Right. But, yeah. Um, yeah. All that stuff, if you didn't like it from the first game, in my opinion, it's no better in this game. In fact, it's okay. probably even more complicated. Okay, but cool. <laughs> the, but the game handholds you when you need to do it as part of a story. And then outside of those story quests, I can't see it's the point of its use. Like I Yeah, don't... so I was listening to Triple Click, and Jason Trier, who's been raving about this game, was talking about side quests in Octopath 2 as, like, Elden Ring, which I was like, uh, actually sells me less on them, because he basically was like, they d- they tell you nothing, and you have to figure it out your- the- yeah, yourself. Yeah, I agree. I don't like that. And he was like, this is the best thing, and I'm like, that sounds terrible. So, um, yeah, I- it feels like those path actions, you know, he was making examples of, like, you can knock people out in front of doors and enter the doors, you know, when you couldn't access them before and stuff yeah. like that or yeah, someone yeah. says like i'm in this town i need to find and you need to go and use context clues by you know using um i think oswald has the ability to read people right and figure out yeah. who they are and stuff so some of that stuff seems like it's more integral to the side quests which feel like from what i've heard and from what you're saying as well like not very clear that is so uh, bizarre to me what shrya is saying and sounds like he likes it because like octopath in my view isn't about it's not about the exploration and the discovery and octopath is like a very cozy jrpg where you are it is very it is very um um just narrative driven narrative heavy go from here go to there point yeah. a to b very linear actually right. and and that's what i like about it it's very cozy it's very simple i'm not getting lost in complicated dungeons they're often very linear dungeons they're quite short as well like very they, short they have like pacing to them yeah it's very bite-sized it's honestly i still think it's a great shout at like if if you'd never played a jrpg before to start with something like Octo- octopath to be honest because like yeah. it it i it its strength is its simplicity its strength is like strong narrative and now here's a boss strong narrative now here's a boss and and some people won't like that and that's fair but for the game to then have these as you say like elden ring style unexplained side quests goes so against like what it's going for with that main plot that i'm shocked that the game even has them in that in that way because yeah. um i don't want to engage with that basically i'm, I'm ignoring those aspects there might right. be a, a couple that speak to me that i might want to try but and i know there are like other side quests that involve more of your party members doing stuff together that's what i was just about to say now i have done one of those oh, um, okay. with Taminos and throne really great stuff again awesome. it was just narrative no boss but it was fantastic like it was and i think someone on our discord uh hinted that these i can't remember what they're called but it's basically when two characters come together and go on a little side quest together yeah I th- and this person on discord felt that that might actually lead to something end game ah. um and i i'm i won't say one way or the other whether i agree with that or not yet because i'm i'm not really clear but um 
again like i said no boss but it was just like a really good little story chapter and in this case it was actually throne in temenos's hometown that he returns to in this chapter and then stuff happens and it plays out okay so does it link back to the main story of the characters in some way or is it just more of a side story that has it's linking back to temenos's main story okay yes. great That's and cool. throne is almost there where she's like kind of giving her perspective where okay you know, it's really good i think there's some really good writing i think the voice acting is also pretty good in this game yeah like I, for sure it's interesting stuff and i think that um it really adds a layer because if i'm going to do all these joint person side quests is what i've called them like they've got a proper name i can't remember the name but um they are they are well that's another new thing about this game versus the first game is these joint side quests i think it's right. re- it's just a really great addition and it feels honestly, like it's addressing a lot of the critique of the first game right which is okay you're this group but they all just do their own thing and nobody really interacts in a meaningful way yeah and for the long stretches of the game that's still probably a fair criticism because yeah. um there there are so many situations <laughs> the game acts like the rest of the party's not there like they like in agnia's second chapter they only talk about agnia and her struggles and her this that and the other and then you fight the boss and they don't say oh agnia these three people that are with you to help you on this quest that you're on it's like they're just invisible but yeah. then obviously you're using them in the boss fight like, so it's a bit right. and that's different to the first chapters the first chapters you don't have the additional characters they're all played out by this the single character and right because you go to a town and you meet exactly. someone and they're like do you want to play this first chapter and then it just takes you it's away a to a different exactly. yeah, yeah. Sequence, and then yeah. you might have like additional temporary characters for that chapter but they, they're yes. not part of the party yeah um, totally so yeah all this stuff it's a huge improvement on the first game honestly I, I think if you if you didn't like the first game because the stories were weak i think the stories have vastly improved so far i'm still very early on in the grand scheme of things um but also i i i won't i won't say there's no grinding i think there's aspects where there will be a little bit of grinding here and there um but i still think it's better than the first game for that stuff as well and um i loved the first game so i'm not the best judge of this but i am loving this game even more so far. yeah totally Um, it seems like it's working for people who like the first one quite quite strongly definitely Um, definitely Uh, these these stories feel just really great and as i said the way that it's they're a lot more tied to locations and that kind of thing just gives the world a lot more flavor that i'm, I'm really yeah. enjoying so it sounds like they're making good on the promises of the first chapters because there were really good first chapters in the first game but i, I never felt like any of them kind of right. made good on the promise I, of those chapters i was yeah because so for example um who was the dancer in the first game uh, primrose primrose yeah. loved her opening chapter and i agree that the outcome of that story was a little bit predictable and underwhelming it was very like baked like it was right okay there are these four people let's do each chapter you go kill one of them and there was not it was so like um structured in a way that was clear and obvious and not very interesting there wasn't any kind of like carrot dangling of mystery or anything like that it just kind of like so i think a great comparison is throne where i thought throne's first chapter was very good but i was a little concerned that the end of the chapter was essentially setting up the same story as primrose okay yeah and having done one of the second chapters for Throne, the Mother Root, and it was a very short chapter, it is doing more than just what you expect. And as you said, like it is dangling a carrot that is okay. like leading to reveals. And I think all the stories have, and I think some of these reveals are very dark, which I think is also right. quite 
appreciated from my perspective like i think the great thing about octopath actually is like it takes pixel art and then it makes blood and death in pixel art yes like really (laughs) visceral uh, yeah which is uh, pretty effective um so yeah i and i've not i barely mentioned the battle system i think it is still as strong as ever um i think that the fact that you have these ultra abilities i've also forgotten the name of them that charge up and then you use them the latent abilities the latent ability i think that that's going to mean that they might I think bosses later game will not hold back as much, if that makes sense. Unless yeah. these abilities were kind of added post the fact. But it feels like they're pretty baked into the system. So you kind of have to use them to do well. Um, and knowing when and how to use them, I think, is quite an interesting factor of the battle system that obviously wasn't mm. in the first game. So I, I, I'm liking it a lot so far. Um, like I said, only 16 hours, but hopefully I'll have played a lot more by next time. Yeah, I oh, I really I'm I'm thinking like well I do have this big plane uh, up. I'm like shit. I mean, it sounds good for like grinding on a plane. Like I'm I'm okay with grinding if I'm on a plane listening to podcasts, you know. So um, I think it. I think I might have to jump on it. You know, um, I'm since you've said you've been enjoying Horizon Forbidden West, MBZ. I've I'm a bit lost as to where i think you will and won't enjoy a game so i'm <laughs> sure, not really sure, sure. <laughs> i'm not really sure how to recommend this one to you or yeah, not, but. Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely worth a shot. I think there'll be some stories you like much more than others, but I think that's not the nature of this kind of game. But um... Yeah, and you know, I don't know. I've been thinking about, I, I think like time and place of when you play a game is quite important to oh, your, your takeaway and what's going on. And 2018 was just a shit year for me, like really bad. Like I hated my job. It was like a nightmare. Mm. And Octopath came out in that year. Red Dead also came out in that year. Two games infamously that I really don't like. Right. And I think that there's probably a compounding effect that happens there right where i'm like i didn't really have time to play games you know and so like the grinding in octopath really got to me because i'm like i don't have time to play much and my time is being wasted by this game right like that's how i felt Mm. so i do think that there's a there's a contextual uh kind of uh thing that that happens with with stuff like this so you know i feel like uh octopath 2 might be uh a better, better time for me to jump in. So, nice. yeah, I'm looking forward to checking it out cool. at some point this year, hopefully soon, because uh, it sounds great. sounds really good. Um, but, Mala, you know what is also great? Another fantastic cool. RPG that I just finished, um, Chained Echoes. Uh, so I talked about this, I think, uh, about a month ago, maybe a few episodes ago on the show, start of the year. Uh, I had started it back at the end of uh, last year because it came out in December, and so a lot of people uh kind of missed it because it's like the time when everybody's going on holiday and you know game of the year lists don't really factor anything that comes out in december and i think that kind of sucked for chain echoes because uh it didn't really get a good uh shake of the stick right like nobody was playing it as much and so it's kind of i'm kind of treating it as a 2023 game if i'm honest right um because it it kind of feels like it deserves that that for this year and uh the last time I, i stopped off at it I talked about all the amazing things it does, all the kind of quality of life things, the streamlining, right? The the type of stuff that Octopath mm. doesn't quite get there with, but Chain Echoes is like, yeah, let's do all this stuff, which is awesome. And I think that continues to be the case. Uh, I had left off, I didn't realize, I'd left off like right before a big change happens in the game, uh, mechanically and narratively, right? You get to the Oof. end of the first act of the game. And in, in true JRPG fashion. Yeah, it really does a Final Fantasy VI. <laughs> it pulls a Final Fantasy VI on you and like everything just like... I throw a Chrono Trigger in there as well, but yeah. Yeah, totally. But um, specifically, there are specific things like Final Fantasy VI things where like, you know a big event happens yeah. and then like everybody gets split up and like the main protagonist is like you know like uh, this minor spoiler for final fantasy 6 but like the second half of that game you find terror and she's not like the first character back in your party she's the main character for the first half of the game and then you find her like in this orphanage just like looking after kids 
and that's what happens to the uh, the main character of this game as well. There's oh, very much fun, an overt, fun reference. Yeah, overt nods to Final Fantasy VI, which I think is is very cool. But there's a twist to that as well. So it's not exactly as as it seems, which I thought was very neat. Um, so, but the big mechanical change that happens is that you get the mechs, right? And the mechs uh, are something that was shown in a bunch of trailers. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. How does this kind of change things? And I'm glad that I kind of took a break where I did because had I taken a break and come back, I would have had to like relearn two combat systems. Um, as it was, I got back in and I was like, you know, the first fight that I had was against a boss. And I was like, oh God, I, I died like three times in a row because I was like, I need to get my head back in the game for this combat system. <laughs> um, so I would probably not recommend like leaving, uh, you know, if you're leaving breaks between playing this game too long because there's there's some stuff going on that you might uh, forget about it um, but it was easy enough for me to get back into it but then the mech combat happens and it's really interesting because it basically switches things up again where there's still this idea of the overdrive bar right so this bar at the top of the screen where the green section of it is where you want to be it's where you take half damage and the enemies uh, sorry you deal double damage and enemies deal half damage to you right so you want to be in that green bar section but instead of having uh you know the orange on the left and the red on the right there's red on both sides and the way that you move the bar is different where your mechs have different gears that they go into so at gear zero any attack that you do uh doesn't move the bar at all so the arrow kind of just stays exactly where it is so you can do any action in gear zero and it stays where it is but you can't use any special skill so you can only do a basic attack or defend or whatever in gear one you can do all your skills but in gear one the bar moves to the right so it moves forwards and then in gear two the bar moves to the left so you have these four characters and so you're managing what gear state all of them are in to keep yourself in the green section and the tricky part is is that when enemies hit you the bar still gets knocked to the right so it is once again this kind of game of cat and mouse where you're like man i really need to have this bar go this way do i use a skill or do i heal like these situations that happen constantly in these fights and even the main combat where you're like either i could heal and go into the overheat section which means they're going to do a ton more damage or I could not heal and do something else to get it back down, which means I'll take less, but my characters are almost close to dead, so they might die anyway. So there are these really tough decisions you have to make mid-combat, and the mech stuff just kind of adds another layer to that. Um, I, th- I think that they maybe lean on it a little too much in the end game, where they, they do throw a lot of bosses at you that are quite tricky with this mech combat. Because the mech combat is a little bit more, I wouldn't say stilted, but there's fewer options that you have, right? Like in regular combat you can throw out items so like there's an item that can reduce the heat of the bar for you so it can go down and you don't have that for the mech combat also you can only go into the gear that's above the gear that you're in so you can only go from zero to one to two to zero and you can only shift gear once per turn so it limits you in terms of okay well i've just used up all my tp and there's another system here where basically if you're in gear zero you can hit a regular attack and your tp will gain back so this is your kind of magic points they use for your skills so you'll be in a situation where all of your mechs are in gear two and they've all run out of tp so they all need to go back to gear one and kind of refill and replenish that but you might be in a situation where you need to use a skill to heal so it's this really yeah it's a tricky balance which i think is really nice and i think the game does a great job of putting you in situations where you can use that smartly and wisely and um 
Yeah, there's definitely some tricky fight. Like, there's one boss fight that I was telling you about that I was like, man, I don't know. Like, everything has been so good up to this point, but this one is just, like, a bit of a motherfucker. Thankfully, that was really the only fight in the game that I felt that way about. Um, hmm. It's one of these fights where... The, the characters basically have invisible like shadows that take hits for you and one of your mech characters has uh, a move that does like multiple hits in a row so you kind of have to realize that like oh you have to use that to get rid of these shadows to then kind of like get rid of the the okay. extra enemies alongside the boss so you can then focus down the boss and that felt like a really really hard challenge and one that was a little bit further than uh the, the game usually goes but like everything else so was that fear of oh my god is every boss beyond this boss going to yes, be like this and exactly often, more often than not actually it's just a damn it's, it's like a, a difficulty spike that doesn't come back hopefully yeah exactly it was a spike and that i think was the hardest boss of the game for me um this character called maria and basically because the problem is that she has really high agility which means that in the turn order so there's a turn order at the top of the screen so you can see when everyone's Ooh, turn is turn coming order. up right yep and, uh, and and her she just keeps showing up like multiple times between <laughs> my characters i'm like this is a bit fucked and then Ugh. some some of the bosses as well have um they have an ability that's just called act twice and then later bosses are like act thrice which means whenever their turn comes around they do three moves and they can do like magic moves moves and uh, physical moves and all that sort of stuff but i do think that everything past that the thing is like these bosses are challenging but they feel like you know that tension right where you're like you're really down to your last embers and you're like all my tp is gone like my health i'm just like someone is dead like everyone is barely scraping by but it feels like and the thing they do so well with the bosses is they don't actually show you the health for bosses they show you health for regular enemies when you're just out on the field but for bosses they deliberately don't show you health and so it creates that kind of unknown tension it's almost like cuphead to some degree right like you just don't know you're like how many more hits i feel like i'm getting close it's been like 15 minutes of this fight and i'm just like right on the edge yeah. and then you finally do that last hit and it's like oh that just relief that the swims over yeah. you octopath has that as well you don't know the yeah the hp totally totally and i think that chain echoes does a great job at that because like the end of this game and like it sounds like your nightmare my nightmare as well but it's like it's three bosses back to back right yeah. at the end of this game and like despite the fact that they all push me to my limit i did it first time i beat all of them in a row i didn't die on that's any of them. good you want you want to ideally beat it first time and you want it to be a challenge i, I think that's that's a perfect difficulty for a final boss in my opinion exactly exactly and i think this game just does a great job of towing that line of making it just this this perfect balance and you played on normal or was it difficulty did. options or yeah 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 so there are so there are kind of difficulty scalers where you can like you can turn down the aggressiveness of enemies or you can turn down the um the size of the bar so the overdrive bar right uh, in, in the tougher fights they'll kind of shrink the green area so you have less to work with there are also bosses where they basically split the green area up so it'll be like red green red green and so you have two small green areas to like really limit yourself so that's the thing is like you really have to think through a lot of these fights um and really have to consider every move which i think is so so cool and because you always heal at the end of every battle like the thing that i really like about it is that every area you go into right it feels so hand designed in the way that there's a lot of exploration you're running around this world but you'll come you'll come across groups of enemies and each enemy group will be really thoughtfully considered where it'll be like okay we're in a new area here's one enemy learn what this enemy does next we're going to give you two of that enemy 
Cool. Now here's another enemy. Now we're going to give you two of that enemy. Now we're going to give you two of one enemy, one of the other. Now we're going to give you two of both enemies. And then at the end, you have, like, this culmination where you have multiple different enemies from this area. And they've all felt like they've built on top of each other. And you are slowly learning their patterns and their weaknesses and stuff like that as you go through. And maybe there's only five or six fights in one area. And you've spent a good half an hour in that area, but you're you're not doing that many individual uh, combat scenarios and i think it's such a smarter way to approach things um and it, and it just makes things feel more tactical and more meaningful and every fight because you aren't limited by like oh, i've got to heal this character between battles and stuff and waste my resources every fight feels tactical which i think is such a testament to to the design of this game i think it is tremendous um and i think like from a narrative level i did kind of say before that it has that kind of classic feeling of like old final fantasy games and chrono trigger in the the sense that the localization wasn't great and so there are these weird moments where things don't feel well written right they feel like they have been translated and i think because matthias linda is german english isn't his first language he's written it in a way that he's a non-english speaker which almost gets across the same effect of like a, a localization from japanese to english you know um and and I think there's a there's a charm to that, and I think that that is the weakness of the game though, because I, I think that it doesn't quite it doesn't quite build the characters enough to make those because it has really cool plot moments, right? It's one of those weird examples where I think the plot is great. I think like some of the twists they have in this game are great, and some of like the reveals, like there's a lot of that stuff going on, but the writing isn't quite good enough to make them land with the impact that you Wait, want. Wait, are you telling me this is like the prequel trilogy from Star Wars? I'm in. <laughs> it's pretty much well you would love this game yeah absolutely um it it pretty much is that like it does that's a weird interesting comparison isn't it where like yeah like everything surrounding it every every all the plot and the world building and everything is so cool and then the writing is just like it's just stilted enough to where it doesn't it doesn't make those things land like there are definitely moments where i was like oh that's cool like that's but i was more like oh that's cool as opposed to xenoblade where i'm sobbing because like not only is it cool but it's so emotionally resonant because the writing is so good right and i think chain echoes could have gotten to that place there's a lot of xenoblade influence in this game generally from like a gem crafting system to the mechs to the music is so xenoblade influenced like but um but yeah there there is definitely that that thing that kind of holds it back a little bit uh, but i still enjoyed it and I, I still think that there's there's cool stuff that happens and it's sometimes hard to keep track of because the game does like to just throw a bunch of random like cutaway cutscenes to like characters you've never heard of and be like okay these guys over here are doing this it's one of those games that i think on a replay you would understand a lot better because you'd be like oh i know who that person is so this makes more sense right like there's a bit more context to it if you were to go through it again um and and the nice thing as well is that it has a bit of a hub area so in the middle of the game you find this kind of like this island hermit island and all these characters kind of congregate there uh, and you can find random people out in the world that you can get to join your island and they give you certain abilities so one ability is like it will tell you the number of chests available in an area so it's nice for 100 percent completionist people who want to go and find everything in a space and stuff like that um so it, it's a cool little hub space that you can chat to your characters in uh, get a bit more dialogue and stuff like that um and also like it's a hub from where you can get side quests so side quests kind of open up in the second half of the game there was it was very linear in the first half very much like final fantasy 6 right where like it's very linear there's not much side stuff to do 
whereas the second half of the game gives you a bunch of side quests and these side quests are they only give you like one or two at a time and i think that's really good because it incentivizes you to go and do them um as opposed to like a lot of rpgs where they're like hey here's like 20 side quests and you're like i'm not going to do all of these right like even with octopath right it feels like they throw a lot at you um and you're like i don't even know what to do here so i'm just going to kind of ignore most of them whereas shane deco is like each side quest is beefy enough like has individual characters new characters and you go to new areas as well like after the the map the world map opens up it does the classic thing of like you have an airship now and the airship goes across the world and it's really cool like it's visually very different from other airship sequences i've seen in terms of like how small your ship is compared to how big the world is um really cool kind of like um scale stuff going on there and there are a couple of new areas that you unlock and by going to those new areas you're like oh i've got a side quest here and you kind of go on an adventure and some of those side quests lead to like extra characters right like uh gives you characters that are optional that you wouldn't have got otherwise and i, I do think that um i kind of locked in to a set of characters uh after that kind of second half of the game had happened and i knew exactly what my lineup was i knew what moves i liked using all that sort of stuff so i did feel like the experimentation part of it is there but it feels like you kind of have to go out of your comfort zone to do it and i was very much in my comfort zone with like the kind of characters i was using and the moves i was using so i was like i'm not really going to dig into these but it is cool that they offer so many characters and each character feels very different mechanically like um you get a you go to this village with a bunch of birds right and these birds uh they're like being taken over by a church there's some weird stuff going on um and you know one of the birds joined your party uh, and his name is egil and i'm like that must that's a xenoblade reference if ever i saw one um uh, but it's also funny because he's like a bird and so eggs and you know you get it um and uh, and he's like a tank character so he draws aggro right so like a lot of his moves are around defending other characters and drawing aggro to take damage so that all the enemies kind of focus can be drawn to him while your weaker squishier healers can kind of you know end up doing their own stuff and i was i was watching a couple of videos of like build guides of like how do you get the most out of this character and there's some crazy broken shit you can do with all the abilities in this game um and, you know i've already talked about the leveling up system where everyone kind of like everyone gets a star point basically after beating a boss and then you can just spend that in whatever uh moves that you want to but it basically means that everyone is kept level perfectly throughout the game um which is why the the boss with the difficulty spike was a little bit annoying because i'm like well i can't grind in this game so it's not about getting stronger it's just like it felt a bit unbalanced balanced for for what they were trying to do right um but yeah i I think that like you were saying with octopath this game also has very dark moments like with pixel art like blood and stabbing and stuff Mm. i'm like oh wow they actually went for it like they really go for it a lot of different ways it you know people die and like there's a lot of uh kind of real shit happening in this game uh it doesn't kind of pull any punches um and and i think that there's a there's a real mystery and and, and intrigue that the game has with its its main characters and story and what's going on and it's fun i like always when a game's title gets revealed like more you understand more about why it is called what it is called as the game goes on and chained echoes is that perfect encapsulation of like like the first 25 hours you have no idea why it's called chained echoes and then you know you start to get story stuff where you're like oh that's what that means right and then eventually you put it together you're like ah okay i get i get why this game is called that now right um my favorite reveal uh, of all time which i won't say why but uh dagger romper v3 uh that might be the greatest title reveal in any fucking video game i've ever played uh, but i i love that when you you play a game where you're like why is it called this like there's a reason for it and then that kind of gets shown through the story so um i think it does a great job of that stuff mm. and yeah like i said i think the writing lets it down somewhat but you should absolutely look if you're a fan of classic rpgs like this in any way 
please play this game. It is fantastic and like really, really. Does it culminate to get all the aspects together to be a top tier RPG? I think so. I think That's it does. Good. I think That's it like all comes together. And yeah, like people will feel differently about some of the story stuff. I'm sure, mm. um, and you know that's in the eye of the beholder but i think that mechanic on a fundamental mechanical level this is doing something fresh and new and innovative within a space that is so well worn right it's so well trodden there are so many games like this that come out and you're like it's kind of another one of those right and it's like it's kind of what sea of stars is falling into where i'm like it looks really pretty but mechanically it's like there's some interesting stuff CEO stars is doing right but it does feel like it's not going as far as what chain echoes does in mm. terms of innovation and really changing things up with with the space and, and stuff like that so um yeah i i strongly recommend it i do wish that it was a bit shorter i did okay. do all the side quests and my final hour count was 46 hours which is still really fucking long you know yeah. for jrpgs yeah. maybe not you know but but it is it is still extremely long and um i think that there's definitely a a world in which a 20-hour version of this exists, because if there's anything that all games can learn from Chrono Trigger, it's just be 20 fucking hours, all right? Like, just, it's it's the best approach. Why would you want to be 20 hours when you can have eight paths with eight characters? Oh, boy, yeah. Eight. God, it really, yeah. Things just definitely get bloated in this space, and uh, I I would like to see... I would like to see shorter games. How about that? Yes. <laughs> you know, that'd be really nice. Um, but I don't think that should turn people away from it. I think it's it's tremendous. And uh, yeah. yeah, highly, but, highly recommend My circles definitely didn't talk about this game enough. And no, not, not, the, no. not the circles I listen to tend to talk much about RPGs or JRPGs much at all. Yes. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, for Could sure. I'd like to have seen more fanfare on this one because it does sound awesome. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. So, uh, strong recommendation. Uh, definitely go check Chained Echoes out if you haven't yet. Alrighty, that will do us for the first segment. Don't worry, though, because we'll be back after this break, revisiting the years of the Switch and celebrating its sixth birthday. Be right back. Alright everybody, welcome back to the second half of today's show. It is time, Bally, to celebrate a great birthday. Um, it's it's a big one. Uh, the Switch has turned six years old. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's we've been podcasting that whole time. <laughs> we've been, obviously, podcasting long before that. But uh, this entire journey of this uh, console, I'm sure by the time it's done, will be uh, catalogued uh, in, you know, all the episodes that we have done over the years. And I thought it would be a good time to look back and decide 
what was the best year of the Nintendo Switch up to this point? Because um, there's been lots of ups and downs. There's been obviously a global pandemic in the middle, and we can kind of get to that and how that's affected things. But um, I think our tastes have uh, kind of gone up and down and changed and stuff as the switch has gone on so i'm interested to look back and think you know what are the best years of the switch uh, and and what do we think about them so but i want to tell the people the plan for what we're going to be doing here we're going to briefly talk over all the games that came out in any given year and then once we've talked about them all we're going to say right was that year above or below the previous year and by the end we should have a list of six years absolutely uh and uh it'll be a fun time uh and i'm sure that people will have opinions uh so if you have opinions go over to our discord you can join that's in the link in the show notes uh, and uh complain at us about it uh, or maybe agree you know um so we'll see where we get to but bally let's kick things off with 2017 the year the switch came out i think oh, for a lot of people um a lot of people keep saying that this is the best year of the switch i don't know if we'll agree with them by the time that we're we're done here we'll but we'll you know when you have uh one mainline zelda and one mainline mario two of the best games nintendo have released in the last decade then i, I kind of get where people are coming from um so do you want to read down the list of 2017 that we have Bally? yeah we've got breath of the wild mario odyssey mario kart 8 deluxe xenoblade chronicles 2 splatoon 2 arms mario plus rabbids that's kingdom battle sniffer clips one two switch golf story sonic mania steam world dig 2 and hollow knight so hollow knight i think actually is disqualified because it yeah, came we'll out on switch that. uh in 2018 um so we can we can kind of strike through that one uh but i think all these games are pretty fantastic i think there's some caveats here though right like mario kart 8 deluxe it's it's a Wii U game. Uh, yeah. Splatoon two is kind of a Wii U game. I don't know. I, how do you feel about Splatoon two? Because it did introduce Salmon Run, and it did kind of like make things a bit more significant um, from the first game. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy Splatoon two. Like Splatoon three is definitely much better. Uh, in terms of something like Mario Kart eight deluxe, I think we got to give some credit to the fact. Maybe it's unfair, but there's a lot of DLC coming out recently that's making us a lot hotter on Mario Kart eight deluxe. Yeah. Um, but I don't even think this year is dictated by those, obviously. I think it's yeah. all about Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey, which yes. not only were big games for Nintendo fans, but were big games for games fans, you know? Like, these are two seminal games that, like, for many people are the two best in their in their category. And both of them, like, got nominated for, like, the Game Awards and stuff. Like, it's yeah. not about what gets nominated. This is our personal list. Of course, but yes. But for us, I still think those two games are so high up our personal favorite games of all time that like this year uh is an incredibly strong year um i think that indie wise i definitely enjoyed golf story i'm not gonna let sports story yeah <laughs> persuade me that golf story was anything less than great uh uh-huh. but uh, I, I need to get to sonic mania this year i had a really good time with steam World dig 2 it's, i don't think it's anything overly special i've really enjoyed mario plus rabbits that i played last year um, yeah so i would give this year more kudos for that especially as that's like the ubisoft crossover i think nintendo do deserve a lot of credit for that um we never got into arms so no i mean i did play a lot of arms in 2017 but that's because they made it free so many times (laughs) that i think i probably have like five or six hours in arms despite never owning the game uh which i think is interesting um i do like the nintendo took a swing with it for sure you're right though on the indie side because the switch was such a closed platform to begin with like it's a funny thing like anyone who got on switch in the early years uh from an indie perspective was like it's a gold mine because there was nothing else to buy on the eShop. Mm. so it was like a very for the, the eShop. as much as we complain today about how many things are on it and how uncurated it is like there's literally everything comes to switch at this point in time that wasn't a secured thing right so there are very few 
indie games coming out on switch and um you know very few ones that stood out which is why we only have you know a couple on here like you played snipper clips at launch right when, right when that was part of the yeah, system yeah played caught with caroline with that game yeah it's it's a really innovative game I, I'm, yeah. I'm surprised there wasn't any kind of sequel or anything yeah totally um and i think you know i actually i put 70 hours into xenoblade 2 in like a week it's just like 10 days or something yeah, uh, so got to, i that's got to count for something it does it does you, you know xenoblade 2 is definitely my least favorite of the mainline trilogy um but it's it's still fantastic and like but i remember a car journey going down to london and i usually get sick playing games in cars so i don't tend to do it but something about playing xenoblade 2 in a car is the first time like really playing a switch on like a big journey big drive and i think i played it for four hours straight and i was like oh we're, we're here already like it just it was the fastest car journey <laughs> from edinburgh to london i'd ever done and i was like that's that's crazy uh so it gets a lot of credit for that i think that the game is still very very good um so overall i think it's a it's a strong year um i think that you know when it comes to our preferences like we do tend to like indie games a lot and like put a lot of uh kind of stock into those so i think this is really a big nintendo banner year really yes for like bigger games um but doesn't quite hold up in the same way when it comes to the smaller stuff which um i think is is you know it's inevitable it's a brand new system so it's going to take time for that stuff to bleed in but yeah. i think 2017 is still very strong so it's top of the list for now. It's number one. It's also bottom. So yeah, 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 okay. Okay, 2017. Uh, right, 2018. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so the games from 2018 are Smash Ultimate, Octopath, Traveler, Celeste, Super Mario Party, Overcooked 2, Bloodstained, Curse of the Moon, Grease, The Messenger, Pokemon Let's Go, Into the Breach, Yoku's Island Express, Guacamelee 2, Nintendo Labo, Minute, Kirby Star Allies. Yeah, uh, I think 2018 is the big sophomore slump, right? Like it's. Um, <laughs> I, I think the funny thing is, is that we both have personal favorites on this list, yeah, right? For like sure. ones that really stand out. Like I fucking love Bloodstained, and obviously we both love Celeste. I think Celeste was our game of the year that year. So it's Curse of the Moon, not Ritual of the Night, right? Oh shit, you're right. right. That's so Curse that's of the, the Moon. Year. Shit, yeah. yeah, you're right. So it's even worse than I imagined. <laughs> actually, it's no, it's nowhere near as good. Um, I mean, you've since played Greece, which I think I played around yeah, the time, Greece which I great. think is yeah. a strong small game. But like, there are a lot of disappointments on here, and a lot of games that we just didn't get to, like we didn't play super mario party um no. we didn't play pokemon let's go like that yeah. was just like oh okay we're kind of disappointed doing this. with the guacamelee 2 i played it exactly. later than 2018 but that was very disappointing uh we yeah. never played kirby star allies we don't really no. care about that stuff but yeah you yeah, did for... play a lot of overcooked though i know you're a big uh, overcooked over... fan yep the two o's on here octopath traveler and overcooked too they're they're like really high up in my estimations um this year strikes me as like wow nintendo had so many big games in 2017 and they had so few in 2018 like yes smash ultimate was fantastic of it course. still is fantastic but there was so little from nintendo outside of that obviously there's pokemon which is a big deal for many people but and super mario parties i'd like to play let's deal. go at some point right like it seems like a fun little adventure revisiting red and blue and mm. you know having it looks really nice it's actually i think one of the best looking switch games from like a visual perspective uh, let's go looks really pretty mm. um but i feel like the way it was marketed as well was like it was kind of jumping on the pokemon go hype right it's called let's go right it's it's very yes. much a <laughs> it's a response to the success of pokemon go yeah. and also yeah. you have the little pokeball accessory that you throw and stuff like that oh, it's, God, yeah. it was basically baby's first pokemon for like the super casuals who got it who got back into pokemon with pokemon go and were like well here's a product for you guys right mm. uh, that's basically what it was but I'm, I'm still you know it's one of those things that i think 
is interesting because it was more catching focused and that's kind of where like Arceus ended up going right so yeah. Um, yeah. it's a cool like origin of that I think I think we do need to shout out our game of the year from this year Celeste and how how strong the indies generally were by 2018 like I, I really enjoyed stuff like Minute and Yoku's Island Express Into the Breach is fantastic indeed, oh, Into but... the Breach is one of the best games ever made uh, like honestly right and like Greece, but like Celeste is one of, if not my favorite indie of all time. Maybe yeah, I don't it's know. Up there it's the like it's up there, and and I think that 2018 was just a great year of showcasing. Okay, yeah, the Switch is actually going to be the king of the indies from this point onwards for a while. You know, like this is it was really a a, a staple in like right. This is the best system to own if you want to play a ton of indies. Because guess what, Nintendo don't put out many games, yeah. uh, as twenty eighteen proved. So if you don't want to, if you want to play more than just Smash Ultimate, you're going to have to play some indies. And yeah, you can't do much better than Celeste. So this year does deserve a lot of credit for that. And obviously, we've talked about Octopath Traveler quite a lot on this show. So of course, yes. my views on that. But uh-huh. um, yeah, I mean, as things stand, I think this clearly doesn't beat twenty seventeen. I think that. Yes, this, there's some strong indies on here, but they're not strong enough to topple Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild, in my opinion. Yeah, totally. And I do think that it's good for context as well for like where we were at with games coming to Switch around this time. I think probably the end of 2018, I think we forget about it now, right? Because we just assume that everything comes to Switch at this point. Mm. But like, I just remember those moments of like news stories being like, this game's coming and this game's coming and this is coming day one and this is coming. It felt weird coming from the Wii U. It felt so weird. All the hottest indies were coming to Switch, often day one or often like even like a a timed exclusive yeah right exactly i can't remember which games on this list were timed exclusives but there definitely were a few i believe the messenger was was one of them right the messenger was a game that they kind of co-marketed i think into the breach also right, yeah. was one of those right um and that kind of started here and continued onwards and and just continued to be be very strong um you know i mean smash ultimate i think that on a heart level uh i go for smash 4 because of the trophies and all oh, that sort of trophies. stuff but smash How ultimate they take the trophies out for god's sake come on oh, god uh but smash ultimate right on a fundamental playability multiplayer level with all the fucking characters that it has is just like i was i was thinking about like fucking we fit trainer is in this game what the hell man <laughs> like it's so dumb it's so ridiculous. you can just pause and think about that game for a while and yeah you will just come across a character where you're like I cannot believe that character's in this game. You can do that about 50 times. Like uh-huh. it, it's, yeah. it's so ridiculous. The, the Sora! What the fuck? <laughs> Sora from Kingdom Hearts is in this game? Excuse me? Um, it's absurd. I think even even though 2018 wasn't the point at which all those characters were in there, there was still a significant number um, that were yeah. added and uh, some really uh, big highlights uh, You know that, that were very very surprising and uh fun and i think that it's you know it stands the test of time and it's still you know the smash brothers that i will go to uh to play and you know any time that we're in person the rare instances that we are we're like gotta play some smash gotta do yeah. it because in person smash is really unlike anything else um you know much as you can do it over the internet it's just not quite the same mm. um so mm. yeah still hold a special place but i i agree i think it's below 2017 uh with all of its big smashing hits 2019, 2019. this is an interesting one so we had the release of the switch Lite as hardware which neither of us own but i think is no. a cool thing to point out and especially because there was a mainline pokemon that released in 2019 which is kind of why they wanted to put that system out there because hey 
Pokemon is played by younger people a lot, and Pokemon is uh, a thing that gets people into Nintendo systems, so they had to have a piece of hardware for that. And that was the Switch Lite. And everything I've heard about the Switch Lite is that it's it's a great little thing, you know, it's a great little piece of hardware. Um, so it's it's a cool thing to to note and to mention, even if we don't have any experience with it. But do you want to run down the list of games, Bob? Yes. Uh, Luigi's Mansion 3, Fire Emblem 3, Houses, Mario Maker 2, Pokemon Sword and Shield, Astral Chain, Wargroove, Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night, Ring Fit Adventure, Ukulele and the Impossible Lair, Untitled Goose Game, Cadence of Hyrule, Yoshi's Crafted World, Link's Awakening Remake, Ape Out, SteamWorld Quest, Katana Zero. This is a hell of a it is a hell of a year. <laughs> I think, like, when people talk about the best years of the Switch, I don't know if many people bring up 2019, but for me, it's always in my mind. It's like, I remember so clearly that window from, like, August to December. Every month was like, here is Luigi's Mansion, here's Fire Emblem, here's Mario Maker, here's Astral Chain, here's Pokemon. Like, it was Link's Awakening Remake. It was, like, five, six games back-to-back in the second half of that year that I was like, holy shit, this is, like, so packed, and they are really... It's like the second year of full production and, like, really hitting their stride, and I think that so many of those games are standout games, and it's an interesting one where I think we both had, like, totally different Game of the Years, right? Uh, But they are personal Mm. favourites, and there are some really strong picks on this list overall as well as you can see like some great indies kind of like bobbling up as well uh continuing to be the case so i think this year is fantastic uh any any ones that you want to pick out in uh, i just think the industry generally does not shout out about how incredible luigi's mansion 3 is absolutely i, th- I think that like a game like mario odyssey gets a ton of praise for its innovation and its creativity and Luigi's Mansion 3 honestly has similar levels of innovation and creativity. It's, it is that good. Um, yeah. It's such a step up from the second game, which was also very good. I had a yeah. good time with that game. Maybe got a bit long and bloated, but this one just felt leaner and more innovative. And there's so little repetition of enemies or areas the bosses are so cool man like remember that little like diorama town where you fight like you're a you're a kind of like kaiju battle it's so so good the huge fucking dinosaur you go up and the lightning's coming and you know like every floor has a distinct identity as well right great idea to do the big tall hotel theme where you got a different theme on every single floor and i remember like the the pianist ghost and and it's in the theater and then the the grand piano becomes like the boss and this kind of this is some really cool really cool stuff in there um and yeah next level don't get enough credit for that game because it's it's really really it is top tier nintendo like it's people wouldn't put it in the bracket of breath of the wild and mario odyssey but i think we definitely would and it was like our joint tnl game of the year as much as as you say our personal games of the year wargroove and bloodstained which we all we both love for different reasons different right, games yeah. obviously but like i think that wargroove is a very very good game and this is this is stuff like katana zero steamroll quest ape out untitled goose game wargroove for me it's like the switch was really in its stride with hot 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 indies like untitled goose game was such a hot indie for this year and it was really promoted predominantly through um nintendo switch and it, i think it was a switch exclusive for a while maybe right. alongside pc i can't remember but console yeah yeah at least. that was i think this was the year where like pc plus switch tended to be most right. games coming out right? I, I think that included like wargroove as well and there was just a delay in a lot of these games getting to xbox and playstation in a way that was very weird right which is still kind of continued to this day uh, yes which is crazy really um, really crazy and yeah katana zero is 
some indie game like it, it's fantastic i got to it later than 2019 but it's 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 as good as you can hope for with something like deflecting bullets like a lightsaber in a in a kind of 2d game it's just so good i i katana zero is an incredible game yeah totally um i think the other stuff like i was obviously we we played ukulele in the impossible lair later but like that really surprised me how much i like that game yeah, as well it's very good um it's got some great ideas it really fulfills the promise of like a a donkey kong style platformer um from you know folks who did work on 2d donkey yeah. kong games as well as kind of 3d platformers and though their 3d version of ukulele wasn't as well received i think that it's unfortunate because i think a far fewer people played the impossible lair and i think it is by far the better game right when Mm. you look at it um compared to to the other one um i have never talked about ring fit adventure on this show yeah how is your ring fit adventure adventure yeah i i have had it for a long time i i I played it quite a bit when it first uh when i first got it Uh, i basically had an amazon uh gift card for like 50 quid i was like well it's about 55 quid so i basically spent five quid on this thing so i'll take it um and uh i I, it's something i really need to get back into i know everyone says that about lots of fitness stuff but ring fit uh more so than anything because i think it is really cool and i think it um it has such great kind of gamifying of those fitness concepts in a way that like one of my favorite things about this game is extremely dumb but it's like when you're making juice you make smoothies you like squeeze the ring to like squeeze the juice out and it just looks so good also this game is made in the breath of the wild engine as well which is pretty wild like there's a lot of uh stuff that you can see there that's super cool and um yeah it's it's one of those things where like going through that campaign uh is actually like it probably will take someone like a good month or so because you want to do it like an hour a day basically and it's really built for a long long long-term progression over a long period of time it's not like uh you know it's not like a game that you sit down and you're like oh, i'm gonna beat this over this weekend it's like no ring fit it's like <laughs> it's real fitness so you actually have to uh to pace yourself as you go um so yeah uh, i think i think that there are so many like personal things on this list that i really like obviously mario maker 2 just didn't quite hit in the same mm. way as the first game did but i still think it's very good uh, i still think it like makes good on the concept it's just i wish there was a better way of kind of making levels that wasn't a stylus that scratched my screen terribly um you know i did end up using my finger a lot to make mario maker 2 stuff yeah. and i did you know when they uh introduced some like extra elements i went back and i made uh, a whole like level based on those as well and you know i really i really love making stuff in mario maker 2 and i did make a good number of complicated like fun puzzle box levels in that game and i think that you know the amount of time that i spent in it was less than the original but i still if they announce mario maker 3 i'll be right back in there doing it again because i think yeah, that it's no, just definitely. so so much fun um sword and shield was a great surprise like i had been away from pokemon for a while so coming back to that i thought was really nice the music in sword and shield is fantastic astral chain again like a a game that i really liked the vibes of and found like really fun combat wise just really stylish one of the best looking games in handheld on the entire system absolutely stunning game and shows what a third party can do when they're just working on the hardware which is great and then fire emblem three houses which i think is fantastic i know Val, you didn't get on with with three houses that much but uh, no i i really liked the kind of persona blend of doing the calendar stuff i think it gets worse on a second and third playthrough which is one of the weaknesses of three houses it's like you kind of have to do all that stuff again and uh it made me not want to do it all over again but doing it the first time i was like i'm really building out my crew and my students and like it's it's unique in the sense that you kind of have your entire party from the beginning as opposed to other fire emblem games where you build people up throughout the game um and you kind of like mold them how you want them to be so i i think it's it's excellent from a narrative level like it is probably on a narrative level the best fire emblem and the best you know support conversations in the entire series um 
uh, yeah, and then you have Link's Awakening remake, which uh, was also brilliant. It was re- it was great. It's a really pleasant surprise, you know, just like announced in a smaller direct at the start of the year, I want to say, and then just actually came out, and it was really great. I, I mean, I think your criticism was like it's literally a one-to-one remaster, essentially, just with this incredible art style where a lot of the clunkiness of some of the dungeons was identical to the first game um which i didn't personally mind as much but i think um i still think it's an incredibly strong game yeah it had some weird remember that weird frame rate thing where you'd walk out a door and it would do that weird bizarre that was really shocking for nintendo really 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 shocking um for a 2d game uh to to have those issues Um, yeah very surprising but it's still great, you know, and it's a good... It's probably the best way to play Link's Awakening, so I, I would still recommend people check that thing out. Just, the more I look at this list, like, I, I don't think there's an... I think this is better than 2017, personally. How are you feeling, Bally? Yeah, I mean, you can go both ways. It can be, like... If you, if you think about, like, amount of, like, good, great... In terms of quantity of... St- great stuff obviously yeah. i think it's better yes um but then you have to weigh up like but how good is breath of the wild mario odyssey in comparison to like many of these games and like how much weight does that count for because i think the amount of weight that counts for is very debatable i'm not i'm not sure yeah totally i think honestly because it's just like the thing is with 2017 right is Xenoblade 2 i like a lot but it's not up there for me splatoon 2 is like we love the first game and it's a lot of the same and i think those the standouts like mario plus rabbits which is a unique brand new different idea um and you know some some of those smaller games like golf story which really hit you very hard um and mario kart 8 i don't really count at that point because we had we had you know played a lot of it on wii u so yeah we were checked out in that year (laughs) my proposal is to put 2019 at number one i think luigi's mansion 3 is such a fantastic game yeah. And there's so many supporting like little things around it that I think it for me like Katana Zero is a top yeah. tier. In the, I think you know, Luigi's Mansion Three is up there with Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild. And as you say, I think there's a lot more smaller stuff supporting. Yeah, that game. I also want to say War Groove like gave you an Advance Wars game, yeah. an era where you didn't have War anything. Gro- you know, I agree. Let's get. I'm gonna go. Let's go. 2019 number All one. All right. Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Let's anger the entire internet and uh, not have 2017 as our number one. Not anger the entire internet. It's just Tim Gates. So it's fine. Uh, yeah, that's true. It's true. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. 2020, Bally. An interesting year for many reasons. Uh, what happened this uh, year? I don't know. <laughs> just a few, so things, few games. You know? Yeah. Uh, Bally, to read out our meager list of 2020. Animal Crossing New Horizons, Streets of Rage 4, Spirit Farer, Paper Mario Origami King, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, Hades, Carrion, Clubhouse Games, Super Mario 3D All-Stars, and then Jala. Now, I think a lot of people would instantly be like, well, just put this at the bottom, right? But (laughs) here's the thing, Bally. Here's the thing. This year has two of my favorite games ever made, right? Like, they are both probably in my top five games of all time. So despite 2020 having, like, a much smaller pool of games to choose from, and obviously, you know, pandemic happens, Nintendo do weird stuff, they get Animal Crossing out right before it, and obviously Animal Crossing takes over the entire world, like, becomes a phenomenon, and then, like, some random Tuesday, they're like, oh, here's a Paper Mario game that's coming out, bye, and everyone's like, what the fuck are you doing, Nintendo? Um, So it it was very weird, but between Ori and the Will of the Wisps and Hades, like, this has to have some recognition on it just yeah. for those two games i mean away. those two games are our top 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 tier it doesn't yes. get much better than that and yeah. as few as there are other smaller games stuff like spirit ferret was incredible i know we had maybe slightly differing views on animal crossing 
yeah, I don't, I don't know though because Animal Crossing like you say that but like you did play that for like two and a half months right non-stop right? yeah, yeah. I, I played I, I played every single day that game from the day it came out until Last of Us Part 2 came out I played every single I played every single which day which I think is like way more than, than any other game out there right and I oh, think yeah. you yeah. know I had a brilliant time with you. I had a I had a great time. You had a better time, but yeah, we both had a great time. Um, I'm. Hmm. There's not a there's not a plethora of great indies though in this list. That's there my isn't. only. There isn't. That's one of that's my true. holdbacks. Um, and then in terms of like top tier Nintendo polished games, for me, there's none on this list. Like. None of these games reach the echelons of Luigi's Mansion 2, Breath of the Wild, and Mario Odyssey. Which I, also I think, think, I think Animal count. Crossing is definitely up there. For, um, for you, yeah. perhaps. I wouldn't yeah. put it in that category. You know, there's something about, like... And it's maybe less about the game itself. It's more about, like, everything surrounding it. And I think this part of the effect of Mario Maker as well, where, like, Mario Maker, I think for me was so much bigger because of everything surrounding it outside of the game alma crossing was like you had a gary wears talk show you had like all yeah. these like people elijah wood on twitter you know trading with people in his town and stuff like that people getting married and like so much kind of stuff happening culturally around alma crossing as well as like that whole ability to craft your own town the way you wanted it like every single aspect to build out was just like they're really spread its wings in terms of everything surrounding it and i think there's some drawbacks right the online was still really terrible and really mm-hmm. annoying um and you know also i had two weird viral moments around animal crossing where <laughs> one of my youtube videos got like hundreds of thousands of views and then i also had a viral tweet that is my most popular tweet of all time with like i think 60 or seventy thousand uh, mm-hmm. likes and retweets and stuff so like i think there's there's like a weird connection that i have there um that surrounds new horizons in, in a fun way but for me, this list is really Ori and Hades, and that's why I think it shouldn't be at the bottom, and I think it should be above 2018. Um, but, you know, I don't know how, how you feel about that. I, I, I agree. I think it's above 2018, Yeah. Um, but I, I can't see it being 2017 personally. No, I, I totally get that. I think that that's definitely uh, probably a bridge too far. Um, and I will say, like, I really like Origami King. I think it has a terrible battle system, and it's just it becomes boring like partway through. But um, but we can't forget Spiritfarer. Like, I mean, Spiritfarer, yeah. we we absolutely adored. And I think is up there as well as one of the best indies on on definitely, Switch for sure. Definitely, yeah. So. It's it, it was a really good year. It was a strong year on Switch, but I also had a very strong non-tender year for this year as well. But um, yeah, Hades and Ori and the Will of the Wisps, definitely, just unbelievable unbelievably good games yeah um, yeah um so we're gonna put it underneath 2017 so it's it's uh the third place right now yeah it's in third place number one's 2019 number two is 2017 number three All is right. 2020 as things stand okay uh 2021 bally 2021 uh, bit, bit of a hangover year as well but uh do you want to read down what we have here so we had the switch oled so another huge system that neither of us picked up yeah <laughs> but, um we can talk about that um metroid dread eastward uh, three Mario 3D World Bowser's Fury, uh, new Pokemon Snap, Unpacking, WarriorWare Get It Together, Mario Golf Super Rush, Death's Door, Unsighted, Chicory, and Kazoo in the Wild Masks. All right. Um, yeah, I think Switch OLED's an interesting one to talk about because it's so tied up with, are they going to do a Switch Pro? Those questions, right? Yeah. And it's almost a giant disappointment for a lot of people because it's like, well just a better screen i guess yeah, no power increase and... certain rumors suggested it had extra power t- 
taken out of it at the last minute, like due to lack of parts. Like it was going to be yeah. an OLED plus having a bit more power. And then actually they were like, internally, it's going to be exactly the same, but it's going to have the OLED screen. Yeah, totally. Um, it's it's cool. And the thing is, the more I hear about the Switch OLED, I'm like, I should probably buy one of those. It sounds really... Like the the biggest screen, like my cousin has one, so I've, I've played that oh, and I'm like, oh, that looks just, really nice. It's glorious. It's really, really nice. Like he had Ori on it as well, which I was <laughs> like, wow, how did you... Like he, he didn't like tell me uh, that he had this or any games or anything. I'm like, somehow he has one of my favorite games on it. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> just decided to buy it. Um, so I thought that was pretty neat. Um, uh yeah, I, I would like to have one of these, but I'm also like, we're at this weird point now where, you know, a new thing's probably coming soon, so it would feel like a bit of a waste if I was to do that. Um, when we've said in the past, a new thing's probably coming soon, it can be anything from six months to like four years with Nintendo. That's <laughs> yeah, the exactly. problem. So That's the problem. It's like, yeah, holding out for certain things to come is always a painful exercise with Nintendo. So Yeah, and the other thing is like prices never drop on any of these things. Yeah. So, if you know. want one, I think you should get one. Yeah, I think it could be a while before the next Switch. I know we predicted next year, but um, I think we'd be very lucky if it did come next year. Yeah, for sure. I think this is a year of high highs and low lows, you know? Um, I think that Mario, Mario Golf, Golf is, is, is the low low <laughs> uh, from your perspective and my perspective as well because I decided to buy that game for some stupid reason. You and, picked uh, that game up in Fantasy Critic. And I did, God. Like a, I think you that got was, a 68 or 69. It was really remember. rough. It was really rough. Uh, didn't, yeah. didn't do it. Um, I think WarioWare Get It Together also slightly a disappointment. Uh, yeah, I agree. It just, yeah. I'm... I like it, but like I never returned to it that much. And I think it has a fun idea of like the characters, but there's almost a, a sense of abstraction, a, a sense of like you're not directly controlling, and the way in which you control just feels a little bit off for WarioWare. Um, mm. I did, I did like you know some of the extra stuff that they had around it, and you know the, the daily challenges and things like that. I think that it was pretty fun, but yeah, I didn't quite nail it when it came down to it. And I, personally, also, I didn't love Poke- new Pokemon Snap. I know you you did enjoy yeah. it quite a bit, but. Um, yeah. I thought it was I thought it was okay. I I guess I was never a big fan of the first game in the first place. So yeah, it was I think for me I just needed a bit more uh variety when it came down to it and like uh the it just feels like they they stuck to a old rigid formula from a hardware that couldn't do any better yeah. whereas they could have broken out and done something far more interesting where you were actually had you know big open spaces that you could personally explore and stuff I like that. I just loved all these new Pokemon worlds and Pokemon and like that was my selling selling point for me with that game and yeah i might have been a little frustrated if they had changed the formula like you're right they were really trying to go for the n64 style on rails thing and i think that game was really good it didn't personally make my top 10 but it it was close like i i thought it was it was really nice for pokemon snap fans and i don't think it maybe widened to that audience as much as they would have hoped yeah definitely um it's it's a cool thing it's very pretty and i I do like that because there's not many good looking pokemon games out there <laughs> yeah. can be attested too soon um but uh but yeah Th- there are some like, disappointing. extremely hot indies on this list very good ones like yes. kaze and the wild masks which i which i finally got into great stuff chicory unsighted like one of our favorite zelda style games yeah uh, death's door another incredibly good one and then like stuff like unpacking is just i i absolutely loved unpacking um and obviously probably our indie of the year well it was our indie of the year it's east like game of the like, year Eastward, game of yeah. the year exactly uh eastward which is so top tier for an indie again i think that's up there with wargroove and celeste in my mind for sure it's it's absolutely it's uh, and you know 
they just put Metroid 5 Metroid out, Dread. you know, just casually just drop Metroid Not Dread. a ton from Nintendo themselves this year. Like, no. It was really just Metroid and, I guess, 3D World Bowser's Fury, which is a very right. strange thing that we've not tried. Yeah, um, a kind of re-release. But, like, yeah, I think Nintendo's releases were mostly disappointing, and then you have Metroid, right? That's the, the kind of story this year. Yeah, and that's probably still big COVID impact, 2021 so yeah i think there's a bit of a hangover i mean they I, still put out that message at the start of directs like covid is impacting development yeah they know? do. and we're in 2023 it's right it's exactly um it's yes it's had a long shadow uh but they did they did release uh, a metroid game that was long awaited uh my reaction to which you can find on the internet is <laughs> it's still like probably my favorite reveal uh in the last decade like i just absolutely lost it um so yeah, I mean, we have here, I think, some very strong games alongside some very weak games, but I think it probably overall pips 2020, um, just because there's a bit more breadth there. It, does it pip 2017? I don't I don't think so. I think there's enough weak links here, right, from Nintendo's side that make it kind of stand down a little bit. But, like, one of the strongest years for smaller games alongside, like, some big tentpole uh, kind of releases um yeah what do you think bali yeah i'm thinking probably that third slot yeah so under 2017 but above 2020 right yeah 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 i think that makes sense i think that's probably where we can put it i would maybe argue for slightly above 2017 but then i'm like well you know eastwood and metro dread are incredible and those are the ones i'd be backing but um it's it's hard to topple uh 2017 when it comes to all the big uh games that they put yeah. out and, and just the consistency of it i think was a real big deal so um yeah i think it's it's still still pretty unassailable all right 2022, 2022. Bali. the year that's okay been. so games from 2022 splatoon 3 xenoblade chronicles 3 kirby and the forgotten land pokemon legends arceus bayonetta 3 mario and rabbit sparks of hope pokemon scarlet and violet triangle strategy live alive cult of the lamb nintendo switch sports neon white nobody saves the world chained echoes uh yeah this year looks really good doesn't it holy shit um i i think that for me there are some real big personal standouts and i think overall the quality bar is just really high like i don't think there's anything here that is Um, like i forgot tunic oh of course (laughs) of course tunic yeah how can you forget uh your personal game of the year valley yeah Yeah. Uh, it's quite important to have on there um i think there are for me like i mean xenoblade 3 is one of my favorite games ever at this point it's just absolutely phenomenal on every level i think splatoon 3 is a huge step up legends arceus changed the entire pokemon formula and franchise i mean bayonetta 3 is like such a fun twist and chaotic in its own way 3d kirby that i really enjoyed like maybe not as much as most people but it's like very very strong um and triangle strategy which i think is the best 2d hd game having not yet played octopath traveler 2 um, as long as well as live live that they brought back like this is a really good year. When I when I look back at it, when I think about it now, in the context of these other years, this is actually very, very strong. And I think it has it has an argument to to be quite high on here. What do you think, Bally? Uh I think this list this year speaks to you more than me. That's true, yes. Um it, it I think that does. for me my highlights are obviously stuff like Tunic, Live Alive. I really enjoyed Live Alive. 
I really enjoyed Rabbids, but you know, it wasn't didn't make my top ten. Yeah, Rabbids was kind of like a kind of lower point, I think. Yeah, uh, for both of us, because I still haven't gone back to it. Yeah, so. yeah, right, exactly. Um, Kirby Forgotten Land was a very pleasant, enjoyable experience. Again, it didn't make my top ten. Splatoon three's single player needs a shout out. I think that was a real highlight of the year, honestly. Yeah, it's massive. Um, but all these things I'm putting together don't add up to being high up compared to the other years for me personally. Yeah, I mean, Switch Sports was a bit of a kind of yeah, like, was it, was fun. it was fun. Uh, it was fun. It was fun. We did play it for like a brief period of time and we really enjoyed it. So I, I don't yeah. think it's like terrible. I want to get to Cult of the Lamb, uh, one that I think a lot of people yeah. did, as well as Neon White, I think a big standout. putting together systems that we we like in other games. Like it sounds like it's yes. merging stuff that we like a lot, which could be cool totally and obviously i just talked about chain echoes this episode is brilliant game absolutely fantastic mm. game so like i think this is really strong i personally would actually put it above 2017 but what? i think that's that's a harder argument to make i honestly would i honestly would yeah i think there's just a breadth here and a depth here that 2017 doesn't have i think part of that is as we talked about 2017 for me was like wii u redux in a lot of ways like i didn't care about mario kart a arms was kind of disappointing i didn't pick it up um you know like there's there's lots of things about 2017 lack of indie games on there um there are two big tentpoles and i don't want them to like get in the way of like being you know oh just because these are the two biggest ones means it has to be the best year because i don't think that's necessarily true but you know on balance it's you know both of us kind of deciding here so it's a question of whether you will let that stand or not which i don't i don't think is the case i mean i think i think 2021 is stronger than 2022 interesting interesting like for me personally that's you know metroid dread eastward unpacking death's door unsighted like these yeah they are very good um I will give you that. I think that there's... I can't I can't list as many games from 2022 on Switch that I was as passionate about. Yeah, and I'm very, very passionate about all of these, I think. That's yeah. the thing, right? I think, like, they, the, like Xenoblade and Chain Echoes... Should I get to playing Triangle Strategy at some point? Yeah, Triangle, that's the thing. Like, Triangle Strategy, excellent, fantastic game. And Pokemon Legends, like, it, it redefined... Like, here's the thing, right? Xenoblade 3, one of my favorite games ever at this point. Pokemon Legends redefined the entire Pokemon formula. Um, you know, Live Alive brings back a classic RPG in style. Um, you know, Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, despite all those problems, which there are many, uh, is, like, the most fun exploration and, like, dynamism that a Pokemon game has ever had. Like, it really is a step in such a fantastic direction. Splatoon 3, the best single player, like, the most Nintendo-ass Nintendo game of the year. And, you know, Chain Echoes thrown in. Tunic is just remarkable. Tunic is a remarkable game. Um, so for me, I think it goes probably below 2017, but above 2021. Um, I think that's just from a a pure like breadth and quality combined level, uh, which I don't think 2021 quite has, uh, especially when it comes really? to the big games, right? Yeah, I really do. I would, I'd have it second bottom. That is crazy. I'm not crazy. I would, like, if you nuts. look at 20, the list of 2020 games... 2020, Spiritfarer, Ori in the Will of the Wisps, Hades. You know, yeah, those like, are three games. They're, they're that, incredible games. They're three games. games. They're three incredible games. games. But when you hold it up to... Like, I think this is the thing, right? Like, I also, because you didn't have as much time to play these games, you just haven't yeah. touched a lot of these, which I think is the problem. A lot of very long games seem to come out in the year that I had a baby. Right, sure. exactly. <laughs> and, and, and I think, like, had you played Triangle Strategy, had you played Legends Arceus, right, I think you might 
feel a little different. I, I think, probably wouldn't have played both. I probably would have no, done Triangle Strategy. But let, let's but... say in this imaginary world where you have the time to play all of them, right? <laughs> yes. Like, I, th- I do think that you would be a bit more on my side with this. I think it's just a case of not having had I, the time to do okay, so. Okay, I don't think it should go second bottom. I'm not going to win that argument. Sure, But I yeah. do think it should be below 2021. Oh, man. I don't know. 2021. Think... Metroid Dread. Yeah. Eastward. Unpacking. Death's Door. Unpacking, see, unpacking and Death's Door, I'm just like, I think they're really good. I don't like put them in a really high tier for me. That's the thing that I find a little trickier. Um, Unsighted, definitely. Unsighted definitely is up there for me. But um, Kaze yeah. and the Wild Masks. But here's the thing, right? <laughs> 2021, the biggest problem I have with 2021 is there are so many disappointments, right? From WarioWare, from Mario Golf to New Pokemon Snap, they are all really big disappointments. It just depends how you define it. I, I, I don't think for the other years we've... Like, the, do the disappointments count as zeros, or do they count yeah, as minus points? You know, I, I, like, I think, I, the, you I think they're factored in. I think they're factored in, in in terms of a general feel, in terms of an understanding. Um, yeah, I, 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 I definitely want 2022 to be above 2021, but uh, we could sit here all day and do this. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's it just kind of comes down um, to... Uh, so you know, games I should coin. play in 2022 yeah. are probably Legends Arceus and Triangle Strategy, you think? Yeah, but I think Cult so. Land, we should, we should both yeah, Cult, we both haven't. And as well as Neon White, right? Neon White. And Chain, I think you should play Chain Echoes, right? As well, I think I you would actually Chain, really Chain like Chain Echoes. So, like, I think there are strong arguments for enough games. Like, I'm not going to argue for Xenoblade for you to play that because you're not going to, right? <laughs> but like, I think that there are strong arguments to be made for these games that you haven't played that you would enjoy, right? Okay. The only disappointment I see in 2022 is Nobody Saves the World, where we're both kind of like, yeah, that game didn't yeah. kind of pan out. But everything else, I think, is hitting really strongly. Um, so that's why. Bayonetta three. Uh, no, yeah, I wouldn't recommend Bayonetta three to you. Okay. So yeah, there's there's two that I wouldn't for sure. But um, but yeah, I think overall you really want it package, above twenty twenty one. I really do. I think it is overall so so much. But how stronger. good is the Switch OLED? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I've, I've got to buy one. I've got to buy one. You know. Uh, yeah, I think I think you know as a as a kind of culmination of years of games that have been waiting to come out right like a sequel to mario plus ravage a 3d kirby an open world pokemon game two fucking two open, open world, world pokemon, pokemon games are you fucking kidding me oh, technically three yeah three exactly uh so and also bali tunic is like one of the best games ever made right Tunic's like, great. you gotta give it yes. that you gotta give it that uh but I'll, so. here's the crazy thing is yeah. i think Tunic was my game of the year. I think my uh-huh. on my top ten games of the year, the next one down was Live Alive. Yeah, and the only other one on my list was number ten with Splatoon three. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I get it. Um, but I think overall, equally, I only played about half the games on this. List. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's that's the tricky part of it. Um, so you know, I the, the games is- that I did play like Kirby, Mario Plus Rabbids nintendo switch sports um like they just none of those were top tier for me yeah yeah i think yeah that's unfortunate nobody saves the world yeah you played you played the ones that didn't quite hit (laughs) and i played played all the the ones that hit right um yeah so uh yeah that's that's just the way it panned out um so i don't know what do you want to do (laughs) ballet because i feel i just feel so strong i think for me xenoblade 3 is just 
astronomically above so many games even in all these years of switch like it's absolutely like a huge top tier game for me um so that's why i i'm so strong behind this year uh, with all the supporting material behind it i think the biggest thing for me right which is an argument in favor of 2022 is they made a splatoon 3 campaign that i thought was brilliant which i didn't think was possible right i honestly didn't think that yeah. was gonna gonna happen and they fucking nailed it they absolutely nailed it um all right i think, right. I'm, conv- I think I'm convinced i think i'm convinced should we do it 2022 above, it can go above number three yeah it can, above it can take 2021. the third spot just sliding in there sliding in there oh boy that's a lot of work that was uh <laughs> that's a lot getting that up there but um yeah i think just over on a, on a balanced perspective just looking at the disappointments of 2021 uh and and how many amazing games there were in 2022 um i think it, it kind of stands up so 2023 bally what are you thinking so far there's uh, Ooh, there's goodness. some stuff coming out here can it topple any of these years can it be the number one year yes i think it could be the number one year i think that if Tears of the Kingdom is as good as, if not just slightly better, slightly worse than Breath of the Wild, I think it's still counting massively for, you know, how great great a year it is. Like, Chicken's Coming Home to Roost, Advance Wars Reboot Camp, supposedly it's finally coming, you know? I think that that's a big shout out. In, in the same way that 2022 was a lot of kind of MBZ games finally coming true, I feel like Advance yeah. Wars could be that for me. Same Definitely. with Octopath Traveler 2, like that game so far is stronger than the first game going by reviews they also agree with that sentiment so i'm very excited for the rest of that game i think you had a fantastic time with fire emblem engage that's a lot better it, it, it ranks a lot higher in your fire emblems than i thought it was going to to be honest definitely yeah um, definitely again chickens coming under his pikmin 4 oh like, boy that game could be incredible um if hollow knight silk song does come out this year and do well and is day one switch which i think it will be i think it will um, be yeah that's also a huge deal. Uh, and then throwing stuff like Sea of Stars. I think there's a ton of indies that you really don't know when they're going to come out. But if you assume that there's going to be at least two or three very strong indies that come to Switch day one this year, then I think you put all that together and um, arguably that could be enough for a number one. I don't know about you. Yeah, I don't know that it topples 2019 for me personally uh it's much more of a bally year as we kind of said like yeah last year was a me year this year the year is more of a you year um <laughs> and uh you know that, that's great like they just announced wargroove 2 if that comes yes, out this year exactly. like, I to like this is your perfect year, i think they're basically. aiming for this year with that game as well so exactly and you know what if nintendo roll up at e3 or, the, or over, over the summer with a direct and like and he's back captain falcon in f-zero uh coming to switch you know right or you know that there arguably is still like that big october slash november slot that i mean i'm sure we'll get pokemon but aside from that there's there's a chance of something big first party nintendo coming that we don't know about yeah we don't know um, yeah that absolutely. would certainly cement this as potentially number one yeah um it's uh it's definitely a a really high potential especially with tears of the kingdom just being a banner game uh that can kind of uh take over the conversation um you know i think the lack of a follow-up to mario odyssey has really been felt um because we just still have no news on that whatsoever yeah. if it doesn't um, come this year i feel like they're just waiting for switch they're just gonna to hold launch, it right aren't they yeah, yeah they're just gonna, gonna hold it the next console they yeah. love to hold on to a game for the right moment don't they nintendo so, right yeah um, um that game might be done already <laughs> it could be sitting there on a disc uh, ready i mean to pikmin go. 4 has been done for about the last six years so of I course mean, as we know miyamoto 
on his own in a basement making Pikmin 4 yeah. uh, finally come Maybe out. they announce um, the next Mario game at the end of the Mario film or something, you know? That's what they're waiting on. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's, it's like the... Uh, what's that movie? The Wizard, where they showed Mario 3 for the first time, right? That oh, right. all kids were crazy about. That's there, a deep so. cut. Yeah, good, yeah, good absolutely. Um, so, yeah. I, I think it, it could be quite strong. Is it going to topple the best years here? It, it has a chance for sure. For you, definitely, it has a chance. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, about you want to read down our ranking of the Switch years ranked. So our, as I say, our number one. Yeah, our number yeah. one year of Switch years is 2019. Number Hell two is 2017. Number three is 2022. Number four is 2021. Number five is 2020, and number six is 2018. Yeah, I think that generally speaks to it, right? Like, 2017 is still... It's still a juggernaut of a year, and yes. I still think that it has, like, amazing stuff in it, um, and it's it just, like... it. It's one of the best first years a console's ever had, which I think speaks a lot, um, and I think it speaks to a wide audience um, and, and does really well. But for me, it was the breadth and depth of 2019 that kind of makes it stand above uh, in a lot of ways. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, I think you know every year has good stuff though that's the mm. fundamental takeaway at the end of the day is every year has like at least one game where we feel passionate enough to probably put it in our top 50 of all time right definitely definitely and that sometimes that's nintendo games sometimes that's indies or sometimes yeah. it's both and i think that's we've had that more or less every single year and that's really great to see like it the the way that nintendo is like this hybrid of the switch i should say is this hybrid of big nintendo games and a plethora of quality indies like there is always stuff to play i i it, nintendo switch is still the only system i played up until 2018 that's when i bought other consoles but even when i was in the days of only playing games on nintendo systems there was always something to play in that, that first year and a half before i bought my ps4 i guess um it, it, there's always a lot to play and they've maintained that even in even throughout a global pandemic there was still stuff to play in 2020 on your nintendo switch yeah totally uh so uh shout out to them for for making it work and making it happen even through the weird times and uh look forward to how many more years we have maybe we can revisit this uh once we have the final exactly. years of switch and slot them in and see where they they go and maybe if our minds have changed maybe by that point bali you you might have touched you know pokemon legends rc yeah. triangle strategy there we go. and can have a fresh take on it and uh and see see how it pans out so um yeah fantastic well that is going to close us out for the show thank you everybody for listening uh we of course are here on a two-weekly basis where we put out episodes of this podcast if you didn't know if this is your first episode uh we we come out every two weeks and if you want to support us on other platforms such as patreon uh you can do so and you can get bonus episodes that come out once a month as well bali we have some patrons we'd like to thank Yes, thank you to our two new patrons. They are Rondal D and Andrew L. Thank you for your support. But thank you also to our $10 tier patrons. They are Zach S, Thomas, Matthew, Albert, and Wicked Gamer UK Allen. Thank you all for your $10 tier support. Yeah, we put out our show, This Nintendo Life, that comes yes. out every month. So if you want to hear all our thoughts on everything away from Nintendo in the world of video games, that's where we're going to talk about it absolutely um i also want to shout out that we have an email address that you can send emails to uh which we uh didn't do this week uh, and probably will be doing in a little bit in the future because uh, we've got some stuff coming up but uh if people want to send their emails in Bali, which we do need more we do uh, we're need still more. low the tank is low so where can they send those emails to please email this nintendo life at gmail.com that's this nintendo life at gmail.com 
fantastic uh yeah if you've never written in before it'd be great to hear from new people and if it's been a while maybe write in uh, with a fun little question and we can answer it on the show and give our hot takes uh which is always a good time um also just wanted to say that uh we're gonna be both traveling in various ways in the next uh, couple of weeks or so uh so next week um uh, obviously we'll have a patreon episode but then the week after that will be probably a bit of a truncated episode a little bit shorter um just because uh we are trying to get stuff recorded ahead of time so just wanted to call that out in case uh, you're like oh why is this a bit of a shorter episode that is the reason why uh, so that is going to be happening but hopefully we'll still keep our cadence without missing uh, a monday yes. so uh look out for those uh coming out um and i think that is pretty much it that's uh that's how it's going to be um where are you off to bali what's what's going on i'm going down to basingstoke um uh, very bali junior's turned one and so there's some family who want to see him yeah marching um, around the family sounds exactly good. uh so yeah big long drive for us but hopefully should be good and fantastic it's not as exciting as gdc no of course yeah that'll be very good and uh, i'm hoping to do some kind of like uh not vlogging but audio logging so um, yeah. folks on the folks on the five dollar tier patron uh look out for that because i'll probably do some audio logging from the floor from gdc but also when i'm in disney i'll probably just do a bit of that just on my phone just talking about the experience and what's going on there so uh yeah a fun little bonus uh travel log i guess will be popping up once i'm back what are your uh, plans to purchase or not purchase uh, a lightsaber but it's really difficult this is the problem i'm struggling with i want to i want to get one really bad and go through that whole thing where you build one and the problem is how do i bring that back in a suitcase that fits it because these lightsabers don't retract. do you have any weapons in your suitcase sir <laughs> yeah yeah i've got a, uh, got a lightsaber um they don't retract do they so like how do you how do you do it do i have to like would i ha- is there a service that disney provides that's like we'll mail it there for you but it costs like 200 pounds to mail uh, it to the UK. yeah like god it's probably be very expensive they must do because even if you're an american and you've come from say the east coast or let's say hawaii or alaska or something there must be a way of getting your lightsaber there like there must be a way yeah i i imagine you know you probably have to take the onus onto yourself and like find I mean, maybe a... they could just force project it over to you or something oh, that'd be like great that. you know yeah yeah, yeah. uh <laughs> is there there's not a force power that can like teleport you places is there like that would be helpful oh, yeah. anything is possible in the, since disney have taken over yeah Star that's true Wars. yeah all, all um, powers has acted in more and more mysterious ways uh yeah teleportion tele- teleportion teleportation i don't think has been done yet no i mean if we had a hyperdrive that would be helpful you know that probably oh, does the same go. job yes. effectively uh but uh but not the case unfortunately um so yeah I'll, I'll probably have to probably have to not get a lightsaber but um i'll see i'll i'll, I'll chat about it i'm sure uh when i come back yeah. uh that's gonna do us so thank you everybody for listening we'll be back uh, in a couple of weeks time as we mentioned with another show but until then thank you and goodbye interlude used on today's show was sky armor battle from chained echoes copyright matthias linda 2022